So, reflecting on the way it is like the state of mind, just at this very moment, just look and be the observer of, say, your mood. You don't even have to describe it, just it's like this, it's whatever the mental, emotional condition that's present. So this, like this, you know, we usually start out with the body, the breath, and then the citta, state of mind. But also I found it very helpful in practice to to start with this, with the citta, state of the mind at this moment, just to be aware of it. Because sometimes uh, just uh, one gets into com- compulsive meditation habits. follow the instructions and and then just uh, kind of condition oneself to do this and this first and this second. So in this Chittanupasana, the third foundation of mindfulness is uh, now, for me, this, this immediately puts me into the sound of silence because I've developed that. This is the... But it also reflects any kind of maybe emotional uh, quality I'm experiencing or dullness or, or uh, whatever. You know, it can be vague kind of dis-ease or anything from a mild anxiety to, to, you know, more obvious, strong emotional habits. But underlying all that is this sound of silence. So the word silence also has this, this the English word, you know, as you sound of silence, silence, just the word itself, even when somebody uses it in a very worldly way, immediately the sound of silence, and then aware of it. It's a, a way of training, you know, of, of just using conventions, forms, not as grasping positions or compulsive behavior, but uh, using this, uh, such, such as buto or silence. Just to remind yourself to to be the awareness rather than the person, the monk or the nun that's practicing the whatever you know the conventional titles or words we use, but we're not anything. You know, in this silence, there's there's no person not personal. Now, cultivating this silence then is is um, <clears throat> referring to it, reminding yourself, because the, the uh, pull of samsara is so strong, you know, the proliferating thinking mind, the uh, habitual tendencies, the way, you know, our emotions 
pull us around, take us over, our worries, our personal, our vanity, uh, problems of the society, problems of the Sangha, problems of family life and so forth. These, these are, you know, can really uh, completely blindfold us, be obsessed with, with the worldly condition and forget this. So this is, the, you know, I say this is the priority, this stillness. This is before thought, before emotion. Before you become a person or a thing or a samana, a monk or a nun or a lay person or whatever, it's, this is, this is the background for all these other conditions that arise and cease. So then cultivating this over many years, you know, some people f don't notice it, uh, can't hear it, or some people have noticed it since they were children. I don't, I haven't figured this out yet, but uh, I know when you, the problem usually is in conceiving it, like the word sound is, uh, tends to be connected to the hearing, you know, those sounds, there's a do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do, there's pleasant, unpleasant sounds. The word sound can be uh, a kind of even a, an obstruction, silence, But it's, it's observable, it's witnessed when there's just attentiveness, not looking for a sound or anything special. So it's not special, it's not like a, <clears throat> the angelic chorus or anything, it's not ethereal or, you know, something that it demands a special ethereal conditions for it to manifest or be noticed. So in the midst of the inferno, in the peacefulness of a mountain hideaway, when you're alone, when you're in the middle of a crowd or traffic jam or whatever, it's still, it's always here and now. Then the, then the relationship of the three uh, fetters to that. You know, it's, a, it's almost impossible to get any perspective on the three fetters other than conceiving them and defining them, but actually observing them. <clears throat> because uh, Sakyaditi, the personal tendency, is always to think you've got to find out what the three fetters are and operate from me trying to see the fetters. And so this, this me, the sense of me, my practice, my, you know, I've got to get something I don't have or get rid of 
something I have that I don't want, is not through, through, uh, through following the logic and the reasoning from the position of I, I should, you know, contemplate the fetters. It's more that the fetters are, you know, expedient means of observing from this position of non-self, like sound of silence to me is the reality of no self. There's nothing, there's no person, there's no person. It is what it is. It's self-sustaining. I don't, I'm not creating it, like I'm not making it happen and and uh, forcing the issue or creating something that's not that just from my imagination it's like this and then it it connects you know it's like a stream it has a, a vibration a, a flowing quality to it. it it isn't like a you know there's a static thing it's a it's a stream like flowing current or whatever they call it a vibratory continuum whatever words you so choose but you know the words are not important the thing is to to recognize just this and then to to uh, determine to sustain your attention with it just you know, just to be be familiar, to really know, familiarize it, you know, and and value this. And then I found by sustaining that, just attention on the, the sound of silence, just being with the sound of silence itself, the restlessness, the the uh, state of mind that I happen to be in, the problems, personal problems or whatever, the the uh, energies, restless energies of the conditioned mind and body, you know, they begin to calm down because you're not exciting anything. And as you're patiently resting in this silence, then you you begin to recognize this uh, a sense of well-being, of of uh, what it's hard to describe. Bliss. It's not a high state, but it's just this freedom from the fetters. The first three fetters. It's just not. They're no longer, you know, demanding anything, or or you're not being kind of continually uh, frustrated by this yourself or the problems of the world or. The whatever that you tend to be when you have you don't have this perspective when there's no perspective then we're we're just help, um, helpless victims of circumstances <clears throat> creatures of habit and that's why you know life is the way it is why people drink and take drugs and Things like this, because it's just 
boring and onerous, you know, the emotional uh, problems of an individual. The fears and the habit tendencies enslave us and we're just kind of victims of the, of the conditioning that we've acquired. So then, in the stillness, the silence, in the Sakyaditi personality view, the first factor. And this is, this is how I, you know, how I develop this insight, you know, that, uh, you know, to really have perspective on Sakyaditi, the difference between pure subjective awareness and Sakyaditi. You know, there's a, people always ask these questions, what is the difference between Sakyaditi and, and the, the awareness itself, you know, or the, the personality and the awareness. Like, each one of us is a form, human entity, that's con that con experiencing consciousness through the limitation of form. So that's uh, that's what you know. Explaining the the situation, we're not you know it's not what we think it is, but it's like this. This the limitation of the form, the human form, is like this. But where there's consciousness, and then there's the the sense of identity with the form, my body, my feelings, my thoughts, my memories, my emotions, So, so you begin to discern that the physical body uh, is, you know, it is what it is. It's a, it's a point in the universe. You know, we have this, we have to experience consciousness through the limitation of the form. And then we have to, then in the, the human form, like all creatures are doing this, whether they're mosquitoes or flies or gorillas, dogs or cats, but the human, we have the five khandas, rupa, vedana, sanya, sankara, vijnana. Now that's a simplification, putting these five aggregates, five heaps, five categories. Consciousness then is is non-personal, isn't it? It's, no, we don't create consciousness out of ignorance. And then consciousness is unbounded. It's not, you know, we, we bind ourselves to it, like my consciousness. But the me and mine, claiming consciousness is mine, is done through sanya sankara. Not, it's not, it's not dhamma, it's not tamachat, it's not the natural way. We create this artificial self through ignorance, unawareness, through the conditioning process of sanya sankara. So sanya, you know, the retentive memory, and sankara, the 
the uh, proliferations that come from attachment, this ignorant attachment to the, the body, the feelings we have, the memories. Sankara then is, you know, it's compounded phenomena. Now that this word compounded, this is when I first studied Theravada Buddhism, <clears throat> you know, they said the compounded. Sankara is like compounding. And then then in Thai, Thai language they use the word pungdang, which means to add to, to season something. And they talk about seasoning food, you know, they say pung. Pung ahan means to put something, added something to the food. Pung dang, or, or compounded, adding something to this moment. So with this uh, sound of silence, it is, I'm not compounding, this is not sankara. I'm not creating it, I'm not, it's not, I'm not adding it or making anything out of it, it's just this. It doesn't say it's Ajahn Sumedho or anybody or anything other than it is what it is. And then the Sakyaditi, you can, you know, my, my body, my feelings, my views, what I think, what I fear, my griefs and my sensitivity and all the rest, the ego is seen, you know, it's a, it's something that we create. It has to, it has to depend on Sanya Sankara to become a person. <clears throat> I have to think I'm Ajahn Sumato. If there's just this stillness, this silence, there's no, you know, I have to, when I start thinking I'm Ajahn Sumato, then I'm, it's Pungdang, isn't it? It's adding something to that silence, putting something into it. And then this uh, observing of that, you know, like this discernment, the panya, ability to discern the difference, emptiness and self. <clears throat> you know, how we create, uh, you know, and believe in the creations that are, we, we call, that are under this label Sakaya Ditti. So then when, when this begins to really, when you get the, the hang of it, then you can really cultivate the path, the, the, the Eightfold Path, the Samaditi then, rather than Michaditi. So, you know, the personality, the emotions, the karma we have. Why, why do I react the way I do? Why do I think like this? Why do I have to feel like this? Why do I have these uh, kind of fears or emotional problems? Uh, why me kind of thing? This whole sense of a self that is very, you know, a conditioned sense of self. It's a a compounded phenomenon created out of ignorance 
is like this. Some of it's good, there's virtues, there's goodness. You know, the personality is, is, uh, has its very positive aspects, but also, you know, is very changeable and very erratic. Changes according to the weather, or whether somebody praising or condemning me, or how I feel, whether I feel healthy or sick. Or there are certain obsessions we get from childhood, from, you know, about our self-worth. <clears throat> you know, in, in the families and societies and education that we all are ex have experienced, we develop uh, this Sakya Ditti, Silabhata Bharamasa. And then the third, Vichikita, doubt. Now, doubting is a real is a attachment to thinking. Let's contemplate this. When you think about yourself as a person, am I really, you know, am I really, you know, practicing right? Is my practice all right? Uh, you know, am I doing okay? Am I, am I really a good person? I need your support. You know, you you should inform me how you feel about me. Uh, you know, so you want feedback. You want uh, you want to be affirmed by external beings. You know, tell me I tell me you love me. That kind of thing. The tendency to want approval and seek approval, and 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 wanting to get the master or the teacher or the expert to to uh, approve or the fear of being rejected. Maybe, you know, I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm just a deluded, ignorant nobody. You know, after 44 rasas, you know, if I, what have I got out of this monastic life? And then, of course, we can we can kind of reaffirm, oh, this is the only way to live, being a Buddhist monk, and this is the best way to live. Any other way is not as good. And we have the party line, or the, or you know, affirm each other on the Sakyaditi level, or the Siddhapatabharamasa level. Like our tradition is, you know, this is the real thing, and the others are not quite as good. The kind of conceits that religious people have, cults and 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 groups, uh, whether they're atheists or or religious or whatever, they have their own sakya ditti, silbata baramasa wichikicha habits. Now, how to put that in in that context of dhamma? See, you know, it's just you can be, you know, try to be incredibly tolerant, like all religions are pointing at the same thing and. We must love everybody, and we shouldn't be conceited or put down anybody. We should respect other people's different ways, even though we don't always understand or approve, but we should be tolerant and kind and we go into this <clears throat> into this level of wanting to be really good and generous and liberal and understanding and compassionate, or we can become very righteous, you know. We can be very opinionated, narrow-minded, 
ours is the best, this is the only way, this is the real Buddhism, this is the direct teaching from the Buddha, all the rest is just, uh, you know, foolishness added afterwards, then we become, you know, the kind of cult-like, uh, arrogant Theravadan Buddhists. You know, that's the thinking mind, isn't it? That, that this is better than that, that ours is superior. Or then we start doubting. Somebody says, well, you know, you know, they start talking about the Bodhisattva path, and that's very altruistic, isn't that? That's very high-minded to sacrifice your own enlightenment for the welfare of all sentient beings till the very last blade of grass is enlightened. I mean, that that's the ultimate altruism. <clears throat> But this, you know, like we get into this conceptual proliferation, you know, sankara, use the word conceptual proliferation, conceiving, proliferating concepts, is thinking, isn't it? That's what thinking is about, it's proliferating. And we're not, we're not aware of it as that, we're, we're believing it. We're, we're getting inspired by altruism or we're cynical and We've got to prove ours is somehow the true thing and the other is not as good or even wrong. That's like Sakya Ditti Silabhata Bharamasa Vichikecha. There's a pungdang, the, the proliferation, the seasoning, adding something to, creating something endlessly out of ignorance, avicca, bhajaya, sankara. So then this, pointing to this unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned, sound of silence, consciousness, and, and here and now. So we're bringing it down from, we're taking it from negations like unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned as concepts, you know, they're concepts. But the here and now, this very moment, what is it? the unborn, uncreated. Well, to recognize the unborn, uncreated, emptiness, non-self, you can't create it, you can't find it as a thing, but uh, you begin to notice, recognize, So it's an intuitive, awakened attentiveness. It's not a, it's not a creative state. There's consciousness, the flow of consciousness, sound of silence, awareness. That's all. That's what, like this mindfulness, allows us. And, and we, it's clear, it's precise. But it, it's pure. There's no self in it. It's not about creating or judging or comparing anything. It's just awakened consciousness, a consci through the limitation of the form that each one of us is experiencing, through the 
through the, you know, that from the point that this body is at this time is like this, the limitation of the body, consciousness. Then you get discern that this, there's no self in it. It's not a personal thing anymore. Because I have to start thinking about myself to become a person. But there's certainly subjective awareness, isn't it? It's putting it in terms of subject. It's not a personal subject anymore. It's just the limitation of the form from this position with consciousness. Now this is really, you know, trying to do, as far as discern, you know, get this, this, uh, this word discernment, because uh, banya, in the Pali sense, you know, is this discerning ability. It's not, it's not critical. Because as soon as you start criticizing it, then you're back into the conceptual proliferation habits. So that like the unborn is better than the born, that's nonsense, isn't it? That's not what it's about, you know. We're, we're aiming for Nibbana because Sangsara is, is, is inferior. If we you know, kind of, Nibbana is the best and Sangsara is the worst, that's conceptual proliferation. That's criticism, isn't it? That's, that's rating something as being better than something else. That's the thinking mind, which always leads to Wichikecha. Uncertainty and doubt. So notice that the thinking process is a, it's a human creation, isn't it? We have different languages. Here in the temple at this very time, at this very moment, you know, you're we have, we have, you know, some are born speaking English and others Thai and German and Cambodian or whatever. These languages are not, you know, ultimate reality. <clears throat> they're acquired. They're pungdang. They're seasoning. They're conceptual proliferation. They have their function, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a useful faculty. But if we have no perspective on thinking, if we're just uh, caught up in, in our thoughts, being enslaved to our thoughts, then of course we, we, we can never have any perspective. And we end up with doubt, uncertainty, fear, cold hopes swarm like worms within our living clay. You know, we live in this realm of cold hopes, anxiety, fear, doubt. So this is, you know, this, this opportunity to investigate. So this, this, is, this is, I think, most of us are attracted to this particular teaching because we, you know, it's, we're encouraged to in, investigate, not just to 
operate from fixed positions that Theravada Buddhism gives us. And it's all about investigating, getting to the, to the source. Not just becoming a Theravadan Buddhist and waving a flag, but in, or believing what, what we're told, but the encouragement is to investigate. Bhatibhata is, that's what it is, is, is uh, this word, Pali word Bhatibhata, practice, investigate, look into. Yoniso manasikara, get to the cause or the root. And so the, what, how to do that? You know, you can't do it through conceptual proliferation. You can't do it through sakyaditi. You can't do it just through the convention of Theravada Buddhism, just grasping Theravada Buddhism and Pali words and all that, just without, you know, just being, you know, a card-carrying Theravadan Buddhist. It's about using, the, these are conventions, these are forms, not for grasping, but for investigating. And so, they're pointers, they're direction signs. And what are they pointing at? Here and now. And then each one of us at this point here and now has to look not at each other, you know, not trying to, to figure it out out there and the vast universe that we might witness from the position we're in physically, but, you know, we look inward. Upanayaka Dhamma. Come and see, ehi pasko upanayako bhajatang metidapa vinui to be realized by the individual, not through not through Sakyaditi Silabhatabharamasa, but through direct insight, enlightenment in other words, seeing clearly, knowing Dhamma, not knowing all about Dhamma. So in <clears throat> here and now, the sound of silence, this is the abiding in the stillness that isn't a, uh, you know, a trance. I'm not in a trance. I don't need to control anything. I don't need to, you know, to make sure everything is safe and, and that, uh, you know, whatever, you know, trying to set myself up to feel safe or secure because any insecurity, fear, resentment, anger, greed, greed, hatred, or delusion, any variations on those themes, confusion, dullness, restlessness, everything is here in this moment. You know, it, it all belongs in this here and now moment. Whatever its quality, its uh, pleasant or unpleasant qualities is like this. Because the, the awareness then is the refuge rather than 
uh, trying to create a condition that that I personally feel safe in. You know, the control freak tendency of oneself, you know, where I've gone, for me to feel secure and, you know, safe, I need to have certain conditions placed on everything so that then I can really practice once I have those conditions. Uh, but I can't really practice if they're not there. That's Sakya Ditti. Now we all have certain reactions to experience. So, you know, the, the way we, we react to praise or blame. Like these are, you know, on the personal level, these are very threatening things to be blamed for something. You know, so that just notice none of us want to be blamed, and this is a very blaming society that we're living in. Everybody's out to blame somebody else. You know, that it's all the Labour Party that screwed up the economy. You know, you hear on the radio for the conservatives blaming the Labour, <laughs> and, and then the Labour blaming the conservatives and. It's the Islamic terrorists, it's the Taliban, it's the Al-Qaeda, it's the Americans, the banks, the foreigners, and, and on and on like that. You know, whether, and then, we, you know, this is society that's, that we're living in is, oh, we're always seeking to blame somebody for what's wrong. It's a very litigious time, isn't it? You know, we're going to, you know, sue. You know, you're to blame, you caused my suffering, I'm going to sue you, I'm going to take you to court. So there's this, you know, this threatening of, you know, we, we all, and it makes us frightened of putting our, sticking our neck out or take, being blamed for something. And I find being blamed, you know, on a personal level, very hurtful. I hate, I don't want to be blamed for anything bad. I like to be praised and, and adulated. And I want people to recognize, you know, all the good things I've done, the sacrifices I've made, the, <clears throat> the uh, life I've lived dedicated to the Dhamma. This is, you know, you should praise me for this. But then some people you know, blame me because I, they don't agree or they see me in a certain way, you know, that, that they can blame me for things. Now then on the emotional reaction level, you know, this is, then this sound of silence gives me perspective on my own emotional reactions to praise and blame. I trust this awareness, not that my reactions, I see them, it's just so, they're kind of programmed into the, you know, it's like the, what do you call it in the computer realm, the soft, or, the what? <laughs> so you, you have these, you know, you can't help these reactions, they're just, they're habits. You know, so you might not want to feel like this, or you even hate yourself for feeling uh, angry or 
of that because you you know your ideals I want to be better than angry I want to be generous and compassionate and understanding and then we get very complicated and confused by the fact that we can't live up to our ideals and then we can feel hurt, betrayed How many of you feel betrayed? Or have felt betrayed? And just notice the power of these words uh, that we, we tend to apply to, to the things that, you know, when we feel disappointed, hurt, or misunderstood, or betrayed by somebody. is like this. And then the sound of silence gives me, allows me to see that particular habit tendency. The sound of silence doesn't, has no, it has no, any quality to it. It's not taking sides. It's just a, a, it gives perspective on my karmic tendencies. You know, my sensitivity, my 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 being offended or hurt or misunderstood or blamed for something I didn't do. It also gives me perspective on the other, on being being praised and admired and and rewarded and held up as a role model, living example, and all the rest, from the best to the worst, and all the gradations between those two extremes. Because the sound of silence is not an extreme. It's not the best or the worst. It is like this. In which the best arises and ceases as well as the worst. The generous, altruistic, uh, ma uh, you know, magnanimous ideal or the hurt self, the angry, resentful, vengeful self that might manifest also in various moments. You see, so then this way you have the, this, this arising and ceasing of conditioned phenomena in perspective. Then discerning the difference, you know, the, the unborn, uncreated. Then you, you, you discern, you, you see the way out of suffering, non-attachment to the born, the created. Non-attachment. It's not an annihilation. It's not a destruction of anything. It's just non-attachment. Because we have, we live, you know, through the, till the, death of these forms, these bodies, we have to live in this realm of the created, the born, physically, mentally, emotionally, culturally, karmically. But then the relationship to the forms to the condition is knowing, is discerning, not clinging, attaching, 
being helplessly uh, caught in the momentum of habits, the changing conditions, no matter what those conditions, whatever quality they might have, whether it's, you know, uh, strong or weak, subtle or coarse. So this, you know, on the, I think Saturday is the Pavarana day and uh, the end of the Vasa. <coughs> so these are the conventions. These, you know, Vinaya, tradition, convention. And so they they're, they're, they met their they have their limitations. Their uh, it's a form that we we use. It's a conventional form. That is not a personal form. It's not a you know my creation or yours. It's not about you know how I think and my view as opposed to somebody else's. So the. The tradition is uh, like the structure of Vinaya, and uh, that is is not is not a personal thing. You know, if I created the Vinaya, it would have been very different than what it is on a personal level. But it, you know, this is this tradition, this form, it really makes life simple for us because. It, the main purpose is is to learn how to use the form for reflection. How to use something, this convention, to observe the Sakya Ditti Tilabhata Bharamasa Vichikita. And in this way, you know, the monastic Vinaya is very helpful in that way because it's not about what I want or think or anything else. It's just, it's the traditional form that has survived through the, since the time of the Buddha. So this is, this is for awareness, not for attachment. Not, you know, we might like it, dislike it, agree with it, disagree with it. We might have views about it. There's always kinds of views about Vinaya. You get into Vinaya arguments with monks. You know, you can you see the passions arise about sugar in the morning and sugar in the afternoon. I mean, lay people sometimes shock when they realize how how we can get so emotionally fraught over something like that. So, you know, this, uh, the, the Sakya Ditti, Thirbhattamara Masa Vichikita, you know, we can, we can, uh, you know, become Theravadan Buddhists and, and, uh, and, uh, very strict, uh, 
Vinaya fanatics, you know, so uh, how we use it, whether it's for personal uh, identity or taking a position, binding ourselves to the tradition and the and the Vinaya, the the Theravada Buddhist tradition of Vinaya is should still be Sakya Ditti Silabhata Baramasa Vichikita. Or the other, thinking you don't need that anymore. You don't need all that. You don't need to become monks or nuns. You don't. You can just practice Dhamma, you know, and and it's the Dhamma that counts. And after all, Vinaya was, uh, is about ancient India, you know, things were very different in ancient India than they are in modern England. And we can be very rational and and reasonable about, you know, how we see things now and what the Buddha really taught. So the Sakya Ditti Silabhata Baramasa Vichikita is, you know, this is, these are, these are terms not for uh, just memorizing and grasping, but, you know, pointing. So you you begin to see, you know, the discern, it's seen, uh, samaditi, discernment. This is the path. This other thing is conditioned phenomena, empty conditions rolling on. Because all our, you know, no matter how emotionally fraught we get and how self-important we can feel or whatever, it's empty, isn't it? The self is a, is empty. It has no core, no essence. Foam on the sea, bubbles. It has it has nothing, you know, substance, lasting substance or essence, or heart or core to it. The self, the sila, sakyaditi, the self view is empty. So when we grasp ourselves as our, you know, as our refuge, what I think, what I feel then we're, you know, we're grasping illusions. Something, something that's, that's not true, an illusion. And then the effect of that grasping, that blind grasping is suffering. The result of doing that is soka parite vatukatomanasa upayasa, grief, sorrow, despair, anguish, dukkha. The non-grasping, how do you be, how do you live this life as a samana, monk and non-grasping? With non-grasping. How can you use a form, a tradition, a, stru- a conventional structure, without grasping it? And taking it personally, and so this is, this and this this mindfulness, awareness. This is the whole point, isn't it? The unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. 
the forms, the created, the born, the condition, is, is, is seen in perspective. And so in the, the idea of Sangha, monastic Sangha is not, you know, creating identities with the conventions, but merely using the condition for awareness. The way that we grasp the conventions, we become then <clears throat> monks, nuns, seniors, juniors, lay people. When there's non-grasping of the convention, then the, these are just empty conditions. And our relationship to them is awareness and non-attachment, non-self, nibbana, anatta, sunyata, unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. No problems arise in that. It's liberation. But the other, there's endless problems. Personal feelings, uh, you know, the Silapata Bharamasa problems, cultural attitudes, <clears throat> uh, ideals that we hold, principles that we adhere to, standards that we admire, fears that, that we have, and all the rest. There's no end to that. That just, you know, if you have no perspective on it, then we we are just caught in this whirling vortex of, con of changing phenomena. And so you feel this sense of despair and entrapment because it just, it just goes around in circles. It doesn't, there's no way out of it through, you know, through any, anything in it. It's through understanding, through awareness of it that we, uh, discern the path of liberation. So, you know, this when the retreat ends and the katinas and then the, and then uh, I'll be leaving uh, next month. These are all perceptions, you know, that somebody's leaving and Katina ceremonies and that this is, you know, it is what it is, not to dismiss it, but, you know, really use the situation for being the awareness, not, not the, the personality, the person, the emotion, the view, the opinion, or whatever, you know, you, you, that manifests in your consciousness during this time. You know, this is a, a challenge to use situations like this to, you know, to really develop its confidence and commitment to the path, to the Eightfold Path. You know, so that, you know, the, the conditions change and, and, um, according to their nature. I mean, we can't hold the conditions we want and keep them, but they, they, are, they change according to other conditions. So on that level of 
sangsara, conditioned phenomena, it's just, it just goes on and on. And we, you know, we can't, can't make it what we want or control it and, and, uh, and just hold on to the good stuff and, and, and protect ourselves from the bad. It's through, you know, the, the awareness that we can actually be free from birth and death. You know, the deathless reality, ultimate reality, Dhamma, Amata Dhamma, is the reality here and now. And these conditions, the body, the emotion, the thoughts, the feelings, the sensory impingement, the whole lot is Sape Sankarani Chak, Sankara's changing. And then our refuge is in the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. That's mindfulness. Appamado Amatapadang, mindfulness, path to the deathless. Heedfulness, attentiveness, here and now, within this realm of of relentless change, heed, heedfulness, paying attention, gate to the deathless, sound of silence, emptiness, non-self, discerning it like this. And then the self, the particular feeling, emotion, reaction, physical, mental, whatever is like this. Now to really cultivate this takes a strong determination. It's not, you know, it's a lifetime determination really. You know, you've got to, you know, encourage a strong determination. To make it work for you, use whatever doubts, fears, Weaknesses, tendencies, obsessions, problems, both personal and communal or whatever. Use it for this of cultivating the path. You know, don't, don't let the problems of the community be, a, be what obstructs you. But you can use the, the different views, opinions, problems, conditions that are, that happen successes, failures, all this in terms of cultivating the path. Then you, you know, then you can really, you know, if you, if you don't do this, then you, you're kind of always caught in wichikicha, uncertainty, doubt, insecurity, Vichikita will be your refuge. So it's, uh, and, and so attachment to thinking, to views, opinions, the self-view will always, the result will always be doubt, uncertainty, insecurity, anxiety. The grass is greener on the other side of the fence. You know, this, this way of always thinking that 
what I have isn't good enough, or I can't do this, or uh, or you can justify. I mean, people at disrobe say, "Well, you can practice just as well as a lay person, and and you don't need all that, and and, and you can make very good justifications for disrobing." And and um, I can, you know, I can think justify any anything I really want to do, I can find some kind of reasonable justification for it. But the determination, you know, is to use the this is this is the this is the convention, this is the way it is now, and then to the flow of one's life, one's personal karma, the karma of the planet, of the society of the community is like this. What what refuge are you going to take in the karma of a community, of a society, or your personal karma, or in what the Buddha pointed to, the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned? So then, the, then you you know you. This is through discerning. Then you can, you know, you you figure it out. You know, it's a discerning insight in which then perspective on the conditioned realm is is no longer, you know, seen from samaditi, perfect understanding, rather than from personal views and through the vichikicca, thinking, doubting. that one creates out of ignorance of vicha bhajaya sankhara. So, you know, I remember the first, after the first vasa with Lung Panchar, Vatvapong, or the second, second vasa, first vasa, I was the only foreign monk there, and that's kind of a you know, a special creature. They never had a Western bhikkhu. So there were only about 20 bhikkhus at Wat Bapong at the time, and I was the most junior, last one in line, but I was the most special. Not that I wanted to be, but because of the fact that I'm the only foreigner. So people, you know, news got around, everybody started coming to Wat Bapong to to look at the American bhikkhu. And uh, and they had this huge American Air Force base in Ubon at the time, the Vietnam War, 67, 1967. So then the second year, the community doubled. There were 40 bhikkhus. <laughs> Suddenly, you know, everybody wanted to be a monk at Wat Bapong. And so then, uh, and I thought, that's wonderful, you know. And uh, and then after the vasa, after the second vasa, half of them disrobed. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that was disappointing because robing is one thing, disrobing is another. You 
And then uh, I was getting these, you know, information about, you know, all other kind of options, you know, possibilities for meditating and all the things that were going on in the West Coast of the United States and the, all the great gurus in India that were available now teaching, you know, very quick methods of enlightenment and, and, uh, and then people, you know, you could see, you know, you're there long enough, you can see things you don't like about the Wat Ba Pong and the monks there. Your critical mind starts going. And then I, you know, then I, and then you hear about scandals, you know, the grapevine about gurus, uh, you know, uh, doing naughty things with their disciples and disgraces, you know, great teachers suddenly being brought down through some humiliating scandal and on and on like this. So, you know, you're, even though you're in Ubor and Rajatani, rather remote part of Thailand, you're, you're still, the grapevine still seems to function there, getting all the gossip. And then, uh, you know, so then I just, you know, contemplate it, you know, does my What if, uh, what if Ajahn Chah, you know, what if he, uh, ran off with a 16 year old nymph? <laughs> what if the Dalai Lama suddenly announced that he, he's marrying a very wealthy American lady? And what if all my heroes, the great figures, suddenly uh, disgrace themselves, did something despicable, what would I do? Does my practice, does my life as a monk depend on the impeccability of others? You know, if, if the whole Sangha disrobes, does that, how, what would I do if everybody, and, and the world announced that Buddhism was a satanic cult? You know, just contemplating taking the worst possible, you know, total distraction. And then, you know, I realized that one had to develop this confidence from within, you know, knowing through, through insight, through investigation, not through just admiring the great teachers and the, and the, you know, the, the accolades that, that come to this tradition. Or it's no longer going to be destroyed by the scandals or failures or problems of, of, an, of this tradition either. So it's like a, it, you know, finding this, this stability in yourself, this centeredness that, that is, uh, it isn't going to be corrupted, which is incorruptible. Where, Altruism, idealism, principles, high standards, uh, and faith in, in, in individuals or in traditions and, and when they fail or they don't live up to one's principles or high standards, then you, then you, you get rid of them, you, you're disillusioned, you feel betrayed. These are all, you know, Sakya Ditti Silabhata Bharamasa Vichikita conditions. So the first three fetters, Emphasizing, investigating, so that you you know you're you're not trying to get rid of them, 
suppress them, but no. This realm we live in is like this. It's a, it's a conditioned realm. We have to bear with the changing conditions that, that we experience every moment. And how can we do that? But through, the only possible way is through awareness of them, knowing them. And this is the, this is the path the Buddha points at, is this knowing, awakened, conscious, discerning that we all have uh, you know this is this is this is the way that that a human individual like you and myself can actually cultivate within the limits we find ourselves Since there is no more. 